0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647-US12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we want to lift up our eyes today. We want to see you. Would you help us do that? Would you... (laughs) Make us see the waymaker, the miracle worker. The God who we know indeed is good. Lord, would you would you help us really just lean into you during this time? Lord, we want you to be lifted high. And I pray, Lord, that during the next few minutes, yeah, we, we would just our hearts would would sing the the words that uh, Jeremy and Faye just sang, just that uh, holy, holy are you. Mighty are you. Lord, would you lift us to that place today? Would you be lifted up in our eyes and uh, and and uh, clear before us during this time? I pray in your name, Amen. The um, I want, want to start before we jump into Acts chapter nine today. I want to start with a couple of personal notes. Uh, The first thing, I just really wanted to, as publicly as I can right now, thank the folks who have been helping us with the, uh, I'm going to say broadcast, that's not the right word, but the presentations here. I so much appreciate uh, Jeremy and Adam coming and doing the music in the last couple weeks, David and Faye joining them. I really don't understand why they don't come together. Those kids are old enough to be left at home alone. Uh, But I appreciate them coming. And then the folks who worked on the production have been here most every Saturday and come in before me on Sunday morning getting set up. But uh, David Gilbert and Chris Graham and Matt Dickey and Pastor James organizing all that. I just, you know. Without them, I'd be a very, very lonely man here today, and at least this way I get to talk to you all a little bit and have a great time, and I really appreciate their work, and hopefully maybe send them a text today and just let them know, or a gift card or, or cash or something, but uh, something just to let them know how much you appreciate what they're doing. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Sunday after Easter in in pastor circles is often known as Let Down Sunday, okay? Okay. Because we're kind of a slow learning group, and every year we think, we have this in our mind, that Easter is going to be so stinking good. I am going to have such a wonderful sermon, and it's just going to be amazing. And everybody who comes on Easter is going to start coming every week. And we're just going to be packed out every week. And, of course, every year, the week after Easter, half the group's gone on spring break or something like that, and it's just this big letdown. Well, I have to tell you, none of that this year. I believe that today's crowd is the exact same size as last week's. So I am totally without excuse. You know, I do, did sense a little bit, though, that for a lot of people, and maybe it's just the circles or the people that I've had a chance to talk to this week, I do sense this has been a tough week. And I've really been praying that, uh, that you, you know, during this time especially, we would be able to just focus on the king and uh, lift him up and and see him in his glory and have that help us. We are going to tackle a giant passage of Scripture today from Acts chapter 9. Uh, We'll stop a couple times in the middle for kind of little mini messages, and then we'll have the major message at the end. You ready? Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. It says, But Saul was breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord okay he's still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the lord it's kind of like this is his consuming thing he's eating drinking it he's living it he's breathing threats all the time and he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way Uh, That was the term used for those following Jesus at this time, the way. The word Christian doesn't come in for a couple chapters yet. So uh, he's looking for men or women that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay, first off, first mini-message, and this really is kind of a quick one. But as I was studying this this week, I saw a quote that I really liked, okay? Jesus uh, says to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, of course, Saul was going after those who were following Jesus. But Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the, the quote that I read said this, There is not a blow that is dealt on earth that is not felt in heaven. Okay, it's kind of clever. There's not a blow that is dealt on earth that is not felt in heaven. And we understand that Jesus feels, if you will, the pain, the hurt, and the attacks that, are, that go against his people. And I think this causes us just to highlight the whole idea that this is such a big deal that uh, we are showing kindness, that we're loving each other as the people of God. And maybe even most specifically, it is important that we are kind to the people of God. Um, That might sound a little confusing to you. There's a verse in Galatians chapter 6 verse number 10 that always threw me a little bit because it said that we are to do good to all, but especially those who are of the household of faith. And I always thought, no, shouldn't it be the other way? Shouldn't we be kind more to those who are outside? But the Apostle Paul in Galatians, he wrote and he said, no, especially Christians, especially be kind to them. Perhaps because that's such a powerful part of our testimony, Uh, perhaps because it is the children of God that we're dealing with. Um, I have been in recent weeks, this is a confession, I have been very addicted to Facebook. Uh, I think my wife is beginning to worry about me. All I could say is, I need sports. (laughs) I need baseball. I need something uh, to distract my attention. But I've been on Facebook quite a bit. And uh, that means, you know, I've been in contact with some old friends and stuff like that. And you get these, uh, you know, friend suggestions. I'm reading through the list of friend suggestions the other day. And I came across a name, and I thought, I don't want to be their friend. Why would they suggest that? This, this Facebook doesn't know me a bit, but they suggested somebody, stay with me here for a second, they suggested somebody that I have a hard time getting real excited about being their friend because I remember a time when they showed a great deal of unkindness to my son. Okay, are you tracking with me a little bit? Parents, you understand that. Uh, somebody, if you feel like they mistreated uh, one of your children, it's, it's awfully, understand that what it is saying here (laughs) jesus said why are you persecuting me actually uh they were persecuting his children but just if we can see what a big deal this is as far as god is concerned uh when we treat his kids wrong And, and let me say this too if right now okay when you think through that when you think about that okay is there a child of god right now that i have a serious problem with that i have anger towards that i have hatred towards would you uh, just ask the Holy Spirit to show you that? And if that person's face comes to mind, would you uh, maybe that's an area where you need to contact that person or you need to surrender that, air, that anger, that issue that you have before God? Now, that was mini-sermon number one. I wanted to tell you this right off the bat. They get better. I thought I'd better say that because, you know, if you're here in the auditorium, it's kind of hard to get up and walk out if you decide the message isn't that good. Uh, You can do it, but you have to pretend like you got an emergency phone call or something like that. Uh, But uh, it's probably real easy just to hit the click button or to, uh, you know, decide you can open up another window and type a letter to Grandma right now or something like that. I want you to stay with me. It's going to, as we keep going here, verse number five. And the Lord said, I'm sorry, and he said, he said, who are you, Lord? This is Saul talking. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground and arose, uh, his, and his eyes were open. But those eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, And he said, Lord, here am I, Lord. Great response. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to a street called Straight at the house of Judas and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias. That's you. Come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Look at this last verse, verse number 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Okay, mini sermon number two, real fast. Look at that last verse, verse number 16. I am going to show him how much he must suffer. Now, we know that we have a great God, we have a way maker, miracle worker. There's one thing we might have to say about Jesus is he is not a great recruiter. Here is his sales pitch. I am going to show him right off the bat, okay, you're gonna follow me. Here are the things you're going to suffer. Can you imagine a church passing out a welcome card and you can check on there? Hey, I would like to hear more from the pastor. Uh, I would like, uh, you know, uh, to get a call or something like that. I would like to find out how much I'm going to suffer if I follow Jesus. Not all that encouraging of a start to the Christian life. But I think it is so important that we grasp this. And we grasp this especially during the the situation that we're in right now that our, our world is facing. Jesus does not say, come to me and you will have no more sickness. Jesus does not say, come to me and your financial woes are over. Your wrong desires, the battles that you have with sin are going to be completely gone. There's a great truth in the book of Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20 where the apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And he said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. But that first captures the struggle that we have because we live a life by faith but we live a life in the flesh and uh you know some <laughs> very very simply in this world in this life that we have in the flesh we are still going to have difficulties when it snowed this past thursday it snowed on my house just as much as it did on the guy across the street who doesn't believe and follow jesus you, you get it we are still in this life and there will still be burdens uh, there's I heard a story of a lady and, and I'm going to use the old you know expression you know bless her heart you know in the South they say you can say anything you want about somebody as long as you say bless their heart but I heard the story of a lady who was saying that uh, she didn't have to worry about coronavirus because the blood of Jesus was protecting her now, Bless her heart. (laughs) But we are not offering, you know, immediate deliverance from the trials of this world. That's that's not what's going on. Uh, We are, in fact, sometimes the exact opposite is true. In fact, sometimes, like in the case of the Apostle Paul, he is saying, you're going to suffer incredible things because you are following me. I want you to know that. But here's what we are offering, or here's what Jesus is offering. First of all, he's offering peace with God. A peace that could only be purchased through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. For man in his natural state as a sinner is at enmity with God. But God offers that peace. He offers a promise of eternal life. Again, only in the person of Jesus Christ. And he offers a power and his presence in our life going forward. And these are some, some things that I can get excited about if you want to say as far as the recruiting. And say, hey, this is what is offered. But I cannot say, hey, all your problems are going to be over. To wrap up our passage here in the story of of Paul's conversion, so Ananias departed, verse number 17, and he entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road uh, by which you came has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose and he was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. There's a few things about the conversion of Saul that I think are worth us stopping and looking at for a few minutes this morning. The first of them, I want you to know that he had a very different conversion. Now, when I say that he had a different conversion, if you were with us last week, I want you to think back to the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, the eunuch was someone who had uh, been interested in the things of God. He was wanting to worship God. He was reading from the Word of God, and he was, you know, seeking God and uh, Philip came along and said, do you understand what you're re- at your reading? And he said, no, how could I? And Philip said, well, let me explain it to you. And he said, you get it? And he said, I got it. And he said, good, do you believe? That's great. Now, the Apostle Paul's story is very different in Acts chapter 9. He's going along with the intent of capturing Christians and killing Christians. And the suddenly, a light shines from heaven to get his attention. Incredibly different story that he, that he has. Um, I have in my life, witness, I guess, or not witness personally, but been involved and had a good knowledge of four different births. We have two children and two grandchildren. I was there for my own birth. I remember very little about it. Uh, it was 1960. I'm pretty sure the doctor was smoking a cigarette while he was delivering me. I'm not positive about that, but uh, I, th- I think that's a vague memory that I have of that. But in the four births that I, d- that I you know, have a, a knowledge of, I mean, I know we had a 14-hour marathon. I, I really, I'm glad my wife was there to help me through it because that was, that was a tough one. Uh, we had an hour and a half. Hey, good morning, America. I'm here. Uh, we had a cesarean birth or a C-section. We had a home birth, okay, very, very unique as far as the way that folks came into the world, but everyone, miraculous. I can still remember when my oldest, my daughter was born, I still remember pushing, uh, you know, out of the birthing suite, and and uh, my wife is holding the baby, and we're walking down the hall, and I just remember thinking, this is incredible. How could anybody who works here not believe in God? This is such an awesome miracle, I and mean, this is this is mind-boggling. If we can understand that everyone who is converted to Jesus Christ experiences an incredible miracle, every conversion is miraculous. When somebody understands their need of a Savior, they repent of their sin, they place their belief in Jesus Christ, there's a supernatural event that occurs, and that's your story. So do not envy somebody else's story. Man, I wish I had a story like the Apostle Paul. Do you really? So you wish that before you came to Christ, you got to kill some Christians? Uh, man, I wish I had a story. I, I heard a story of this guy that got came to Christ in prison. He has an incredible story. So you wish you got to spend a little time in prison first? Uh, man, I, I know this guy that he was addicted to pretty much everything there was addicted that he was could be addicted to, and uh, God delivered him. What a story, man! I wish I had a. Really, that's where you want to go? You want to carry those scars of that addiction and uh, and that life forward? You might see your conversion maybe as boring, but let me tell you what what it took to accomplish that conversion. That the God of the universe sent His one and only Son to die on a cross. That what And what transpired when you were converted, That a, that a person whose heart was alienated from God because of sin was completely clean. And in place of that sin, God has placed his righteousness. What transpired there was incredible. And what happened on that day when you believed in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the heavens rejoiced over that. There is nothing boring. There's nothing ordinary about it. You know, maybe you think, well, you know, I wish... I'm kind of on the other side. I might envy somebody who had more of a clean-cut lifestyle. And, uh, but maybe that would, then you would have never recognized your need for a Savior and never come to him. Every story of conversion is miraculous. Do not envy others. Do not resent others. I was listening to the radio this week, and they were talking about uh, the fact that if you have great credit card debt right now, now is the time to settle your credit card debt. Because companies are going to be looking to bring in cash, so we want you to settle, and they'll settle for pennies on the dollar. And here's my thought. For 35 years, Francis and I have paid our credit cards every month, okay? So we have never paid a cent them interest. We do not let it, let it occur. So I can't believe that somebody else who's been racking up credit card debt is going to get off scot-free, Okay, now are you hearing me? <laughs> are you thinking this guy's self-righteous? Because that's exactly what God's Spirit kind of said to me about this, is that you have a little problem here. If you want to see yourself in Scripture, you need to read the story of the prodigal son because you're the brother. Okay, you're the guy that's upset because the younger, the prodigal son is being forgiven. Uh, you're that guy who's having a hard time with other people for uh, being forgiven. And many times if we lose sight of the miraculous, The miracle, the miraculous work of our own salvation. If we forget what we are to remember when we take the Lord's Supper, then we become self-righteous and we resent other people who are experiencing forgiveness. I think the best illustration that helps me understand this, um, years ago uh, I was taking a group of teenagers to Jamaica. We were on a trip in Jamaica. The first place we stopped was McDonald's in Jamaica. At the cash register, they had a big sign that said, no American currency accepted. Now, of course, I'm with teenagers, so the first kid walks up, pulls out an American $5 bill, a United States, and and sets it down to try to pay. And they look and like, you know, can you see the sign? Now, let's imagine that his buddy says, oh, hey, don't worry, I got this. So he reaches into his wallet, and he pulls out a $10 bill. He says, don't worry, I got it. And they're still looking like you don't understand. But... His fearless leader says, no problem, I got plenty of money. So I walk up there and I pull out a $20 bill and say, I've got this. These people from Jamaica are going to be looking at us like, you do not understand, do you? You don't really get it. You don't even have the right currency. And when it comes to uh, obtaining righteousness from God, we do not have the right currency currency. Only the righteousness that comes through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ is worth anything. So if I think somehow that I am more deserving than somebody else, and I become a little resentful that somebody else experiences the same forgiveness that I do, then I have forgotten the miracle that is my conversion. So we see, first of all, that Paul had a very different conversion. Secondly, I want you to see he had an incredibly unlikely conversion. I mean, this guy was, uh, I mean, Ananias said, you want me to go to this guy? It's kind of like, you you want me to go talk to the head of ISIS? I mean, are are you really? I mean, Paul had been the chief opponent of the cause of Christ. He's going to become the chief proponent. Uh, He was going to arrest Christians, but instead Christ arrested him and got his attention. He was chasing down Christ, and then he ended up getting caught by Christ. But as we think about how unlikely it would be that the apostle Paul then Saul, who was persecuting Christians, uh, would get saved. May we remember, or may we think for a minute, God, is there somebody in my life that I see as the most unlikely candidate to ever trust you? And understand that we need to keep praying, we need to keep loving, we need to keep sharing, because God can melt the hardest heart. So when I see how unlikely his conversion is, I remember that I should never give up on anybody. But the second thing that I hope we can do, and, and stay with me on this one for a while, if, I think we need to understand that there are those who are sincere, but are sincerely wrong. Now, the most important part that we remember about this is that it is not enough to be sincere. Okay, the Apostle Paul was incredibly sincere and passionate about, I'm sorry, Saul, before he became the Apostle Paul, was incredibly sincere and passionate about what he was doing. And Jesus didn't say, "Well, then that's okay. Then you just stay the way you are because you're sincere. That's good." Uh, Jesus turns his life around, changes his thinking, uh, converts uh, him there on the road to Damascus. Gets, it, gets him turned around. I am not suggesting that just because somebody is sincere, that we should just leave them alone and that's okay. It's, it's no big deal. But I do think it is important that we remember that many times we are sincerely wrong and other people are sincerely wrong and it could impact the way we treat them. Um, when I look back at even the early years of ministry, I, I know that I did a lot of things wrong. I treated people in the wrong way. I even taught some wrong things. And uh, I, all I can say right now is I was sincere. I was sincerely wrong, but I was sincere. But, you know, I think during the time in which we live, it is, it it will help us if we understand that sometimes there's a reason why people act the way they do. There's a belief system that they have, that they have been fed, uh, that they have grown up in, and that is the reason why they think the way they do. I walked in, again, uh, got another Menards checkout story, but I walked into Menards this past week, and once again, Spacey Dan walks up too close to the person in front of me. I just, you know, wander up, set my little items on the conveyor, and uh, the lady in front of me who was masked, to the hilt. You know what I mean? She had little isolates, and that was it. She was covered up completely. Uh, the cashier, the same thing, had the mask on and everything like that, and they looked at me like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, back off, buddy. So I turn around. Once again, there's a guy standing there, and I kind of, uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I said, oh, I forgot about social distancing, and, uh, and he looked at me like, oh, brother, and he backs up. He said, go ahead, buddy. Come on back. I'll give you your space. But I was thinking about the difference of these two people. I mean, the one is obviously has a totally different thinking than this guy that was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen going on. And you say, well, you know, I don't know exactly which one of those is right. And to be honest with you, I don't understand either. But I I use my imagination a little bit here. And um, I think, here's this lady. It is very possible. Uh, I'm making this up, but it is very possible her mom's in a nursing home. She hasn't been able to see her for five weeks. Maybe her husband's in the nursing home. She hasn't been able to see her for, see him for five weeks, okay? Maybe a close loved one is sick with the virus and, and on a ventilator and, and scared to death. You know, maybe she has loved ones at home that have respiratory problems, and she's scared to death about this. This guy, on the other hand, behind me, maybe he's, he's spent his whole life building a business that he's had to shut down. And he's thinking, what in the world is going on here? If I can't open this up, everything that I've invested in my life is, is gone. And he doesn't know anybody who even has the sniffles. Do you understand? I'm not saying that I know who's right or who's wrong. I'm not suggesting that in any way. What I'm saying is, if we can understand that many times people, even though we might think they're wrong, they are sincerely wrong, and understand where where they're coming from, I think it can help us with patience. Now, I need to go back again to the beginning. I'm not suggesting that it is okay to be sincerely wrong. What I am saying is, it can greatly help us with our understanding of people and our patience with people during this this time. So we've seen then we've seen within Paul a very uh, different, a unique conversion. We have seen a uh, unexpected or an unlikely conversion. And the last thing that I want to see us to see in this story is that this story has a has an unsung hero. Now, if you have ever been around church? Maybe if you have never been around church, you still have heard of this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Uh, you may have even known that uh, he was converted on the road to Damascus. You may have even known that uh, it was in Acts chapter 9 that, that he was converted. Uh, I'm going to bet, though, that if I had asked ahead of time, did you, do you know the name of the man that God sent to him to help him at this time? If, would you know that? Okay, quick survey here. Where's Pastor James? Would you have known that, James? Ah, he's given the yeah, he's known. He's a Bible scholar. He'd have known. Okay, how about my wife, honey? No, she didn't. Have, she wouldn't have a clue. Caitlin? No. Fay? Did you know? Okay, good. They're, back, they're backing me up, up, up here. I don't think too many people have ever heard of Ananias here. There was the Ananias in chapter 5. You might have heard of him. He's dead, so this isn't the same guy. Uh, but I would like you to consider what is happening here. Consider what God is doing. Why in the world did God use a middleman? Why didn't God just say to Paul... You know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have the scales fall off your eyes and believe. Why did he have him meet with Ananias here? God is all about using in- human instruments. I don't always understand why. Uh, you know, if God wants to use foolish man that, that he receives the glory, I really don't completely understand why. I do know this, that the story of redemptive history is told through human beings. And if we realize that Paul is probably, and this this would be a tough argument uh, to go against, because he is probably the most influential Christian who ever lived. He uh, he is the main character of the rest of the book of Acts. He has written 13 of the books that are in the New Testament. So, you know, to begin with, I called this, trickle-down obedience because I thought of the fact that Ananias obeyed the, God, the Lord and look at what God did through all that. But trickle-down really isn't the right word. I probably should have said flood because when we look at how God used Ananias to change the world and to change us today through the Apostle Paul, it is really incredible. So if you would with me identify for a minute the unsung hero in your life. Ananias is a man that uh, came along and, uh, uh, alongside a rough young believer He gave him the first taste of the Christian life, and he called him brother, welcoming him in. Man, what what a great way that God used him to move uh, Paul forward into ministry. But think with me for a second. uh, uh, Let me tell one other story here. There was a uh, a shoe salesman that taught a Sunday school class. Uh, His name was Edward Kimbrell. Okay, probably never heard of old Eddie But uh, Eddie taught a little Sunday school class, and in that class was a guy by the name of Dwight L. Moody. You may have heard of him. Moody had a ministry that continued, and uh, he reached the guy by the name of F.B. Myers. That's a name that if you ever walk into a smart pastor's office, you'll see his books all over the place, F.B. Myers. He reached the guy by the name of William, I'm sorry, Wilbur Chapman. Chapman preached at the YMCA, and one day during one of those meetings, a guy by the name of Billy Sunday got saved. Maybe you've heard that name. Mordecai Ham was a convert of Billy Sundays, and he preached on the radio for many years, and then once he was holding a citywide revival meeting, and a tall, lanky, blonde fella uh, came forward by the name of Billy Graham. Okay, now you may have recognized some of those names. I'm guessing that last name you recognize pretty well. Where did that start? That started with the shoe salesman who said, I'm going to share Jesus to a group of little kids. And God took that and multiplied that. And it is incredible how he takes our acts of obedience and multiplies it. This last October, I was at my brother's funeral, or his memorial service, And uh, they said, does anyone like to share anything? And I actually couldn't wait to. I wanted to tell them because it was through my brother's witness that I found out that Jesus loved me and wanted me to turn to him as my Savior. And I couldn't wait to share that. So I got up. I'm not usually the first guy to jump up at testimony time, but I did. I jumped up, and I said, hey, I I, I just want to tell you all uh, that, uh, you know, the influence that my brother Wayne's life has had on mine, and now my son and his family out in Colorado are living for Jesus. My daughter down in Indianapolis is living for Jesus, and they're going to tell their kids about Jesus, and I'm just so excited to share that. About three persons later, my brother-in-law got up. And uh, he said, oh, he said, I wanted to tell you, too. He said, without the witness of Wayne, he said, my family wouldn't know Jesus. And he said, I'm so thankful because my son's out in Arizona living for Jesus, and his kids are living for Jesus, and my daughter's down in Texas living for Jesus, and her kids are living for Jesus, and the incredible influence there. We were talking to my uh, sister-in-law after, and she said, yeah, I'm glad you guys shared that, and it's all because of Mad Marge. I said, Mad Marge? Uh, He he said, she said, yeah, my mom. Now, it sounds a little disrespectful, but if you knew Marge, uh, I'm sorry, Madge, Mad Madge. Uh, But uh, if you knew Madge, she was kind of crazy. Uh, she was the lady in town there she was a big lady with giant red hair and she's everybody in town knew her because she was just a little nuts but she was also a little nuts in that she shared Jesus every chance she get it she got she shared Jesus with her kids her kids shared it with my brother brother shared it with me my sister uh, my parents my family do you understand what I'm saying here who is it that God used in your story who was the person who shared with you Jesus who showed you some kindness who helped you in the early days of Christianity when maybe you felt like you didn't fit in, but they came and they put their arm around you and they helped you. Do you see the incredible power of what we might look at and say, this is just a small act of obedience? Can you, can you see that? So what is, you know, where do you fit in the story? What is that act of obedience? Okay, goofy illustration just for a second. Over here, I don't think you can see it in your cameras today. When we started doing the, the videos, there is an outlet over here on the wall that stood out. I don't know if you can see it. Hopefully, you can't see it today. The first week, five weeks ago, uh, they were trying to cover up with paper, and we put some tape on it, and I said, oh, I'll get that painted before next week. I really meant to paint that before next week. Uh, Actually, finally yesterday, I painted it. You can't see it anymore. It blended in perfectly with with, with the paint, Uh, but uh, for... I kept saying this is something I ought to do. This is something I ought to do. This is something I ought to do. Finally, yesterday made it happen. Now, that's a silly little illustration, but what I want you to think about, that: what is it that God's Spirit has been prompting you to do? Who is it that God's Spirit has been prompting you to reach out to? Uh, What act of kindness, what uh, plan with your family during the time of quarantine have you been thinking, hey, I really ought to do this? Who needs encouragement? Who in my family needs to be shown a little bit of love? Uh, Where is it that I can reach out? How can I do this? I want to encourage you just to stop and say, Lord, where are you guiding me here? What act of obedience do you want to take in my life and multiply it? You never heard of Ananias, did you? Look at the impact that he had and why? Because he said, yes, Lord, I'll go yeah, I know that guy's crazy and he's killing Christians, God, but if you say to go, I'm going to go. I don't understand why it's such a big deal. I don't even understand why you're using me, but God, I will do what you ask me to do. So I'd like to close, if you will, with a little bit of an altar call. Um, you know, I hope today, I hope uh, listening for a few minutes, there is a there's an uplifting going on Uh, Maybe even, this week I got desperate and cut my hair. Maybe even got to say, what's wrong with his hair today? You can comment on the bottom. (laughs) Can't wait for the barbershops to open, but I actually cut my own. You know, I I hope you got, uh, you just enjoyed the time together. But more importantly, are you somebody that God's Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I've been showing you your need of me You know, we talked about different conversion stories. Maybe your conversion story will be this. That year, back in 2020, that year during the pandemic, during the quarantine, I realized that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I confessed to him that I needed a Savior. I trusted him to be that Savior. You know, maybe that is the message that he has for you this day. Maybe, uh... And just help us to take another breath and show some patience for people. Uh, change the way that we see them and, and just see the importance again and how, how dangerous it is when we're uh, grumpy and all the time, you know, and attacking other people and seeing how even our attacks against God's people become attacks against Jesus. Maybe you would just say, God, what is that act of obedience in my life? God, where is it that you'd like to, what, what would you like to take and use me for. <laughs> God, I, I know you could take it and multiply it beyond what I can even imagine. God, what is that step of obedience that you have for me this day? I'm going to pray in just a second. I'm going to do something. I, I don't know if this is smart to do while you're videoing. I don't know if this works or not, but I'm going to be quiet for a second. And before I pray, I want to encourage you to pray. And maybe that prayer is God, I'm struggling. Help me to see you, help me to lean into you. Maybe that prayer is, God, forgive me um, for where I haven't trusted you. Forgive me where I've been treating people wrong. And, and Lord, help me to make that right. Uh, maybe that prayer is, God, I need a Savior. I need you as my Savior. I know that. You may not understand completely even what you're thinking, but you know that God is speaking into your heart and saying, hey, this thing he's talking about, this thing that Paul got on the road to Damascus, and last week that the eunuch got on, on, you know, up in the chariot, they got a relationship with me. And God is saying, today, I want you to have that. King of glory, I want to pray what we sang earlier, that we know that even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, that you're working. We trust you with that, Lord. And I pray, we, we cry out to you, Lord, would you mightily work in our lives. And I, may our times that we gather put a smile on our face that so we could just enjoy gathering online for a few minutes. But most importantly, Lord, would we meet with you? And uh, would we lean into You. Will we draw close to You and find that strength? And Lord, may we surrender to You. And in acts of obedience, Lord, can we uh, trust You, we do trust You, Lord, to take those acts of obedience and multiply them in Your kingdom. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.